Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. I've safely returned from Istanbul, and I'm back at my desk. I had a wonderful time. It was very intense, and I didn't see everything that I wanted to, but that just leaves room for me to return someday. I got loads of footage and lots of photos, and I met some very encouraging tour guides, which makes me think that a history of Byzantium tour is possible. And uh, there's definitely enough to see to fill a tour. And many things were very well preserved, I thought, uh, maintained in a way that's very friendly for tourists to see. And I did produce a blog with pictures uh, for the Kickstarter backers. But if you'd like to read my daily account of what I saw and see some of the pictures, then visit tothecitytrip.wordpress.com. That's to the city, which of course is Istanbul, to the city trip.wordpress.com. Today, I want to give you my perspective on what visiting Istanbul was like and to answer some Kickstarter backer questions while I'm here. I should point out that many listeners to the show have already visited Istanbul, some have lived there for a time. And a few were born and brought up there and still live there now. So I'm not pretending to give you the inside scoop on what life on the Bosphorus is like. But I'm someone who had never been to Istanbul and who really knows very little about modern Turkey and arrived with concerns about security, about how I would be received and how my girlfriend would be treated. Um, And I hope this perspective will be interesting in itself. But I also imagine many of you are in a similar position of uncertainty about visiting the city, and perhaps this will offer some value to you. Let's start with security. As most of you know, there have been a series of bombings and other terrorist incidents in Turkey during the past five years. I'm only aware of one that targeted tourists specifically. The others have hit crowds um, or specific political targets. Um, Tourism has taken a nosedive as a result, and several listeners advised me not to go until things were safe again. I, of course, live in London, a place where I feel very safe. But in the past three years in London, there have been a string of terrorist incidents including one at a train station uh, that I've been to, oh, thousands of times because it's the closest one to the home I grew up in. And I actually know people who were on that train where a bomb failed to go off, uh, and thankfully no one was killed. I was also on holiday in New York 
when another incident took place, um, a car running over people, um, and that took place just a mile from where I was walking at the time. So my feeling before the trip was that if I wait for Istanbul to become, um, quotes, safe, then I'll probably never go. And clearly, I I could be affected by a tragic incident wherever I am in the world, so why sit and wait? And I've no desire to preach about that. If you don't feel safe and won't enjoy a trip as a result, then don't go. But I was determined to see Istanbul, and I'm very glad that I did. And there was no problem during my trip. I never felt in danger, nor did I see anything bad happen. That is, of course, a very small sample size, but still good news. The tour guides I spoke to all felt that tourism was just starting to pick up again. Um, Interestingly, the largest groups I saw... Uh, were Asian or South American. And there were plenty of visitors from all over the world, but Spanish-speaking guides or Asian groups with headsets uh, dominated the Hagia Sophia and the Cora Church. Turkey is also in the midst of political uncertainty. Uh, I did see the symbols of various political groups and parties all over the city, um, but elections were coming up when I was there, so not a big surprise. Uh, Vans were driving around pumping out music to attract your attention to their candidate's smiling face on the side uh, of the of the van as they drove past. Uh, as some of you noted, I was actually in the city on the anniversary of the fall of Constantinople to the Turks, and there was a parade to celebrate the event. So I hear, uh, I didn't see it. Uh, one of the tour guides I met was embarrassed by this and felt that celebrating the conquest of the city was inappropriate, but it didn't seem like a national celebration. Um, in other parts of the city, nothing was really marking the occasion. Again, uh, it's a very small sample size, but I wondered if, as a Westerner, I would draw any negative attention, and I really didn't. Uh, When we were filming around the walls, we were occasionally asked what we were doing by older Turkish men. Perhaps there was some suspicion, um, but that was about it. Uh, Everywhere else we went, people were very friendly and helpful. Naturally, in touristy areas, you're made to feel very wanted. And as you find across the world, everybody involved in tourism and most young people can speak English well, which is shaming and very helpful in equal measure. The only noticeable issue with the outside world we experienced was that Wikipedia was inaccessible during our stay. Uh, You can Google that to find out why. The old heart of Constantinople is largely a tourist area now. It's largely designed for foreign visitors. Um, You've got the Topkapi Palace to the north on the old Byzantine Acropolis, And then the Archaeological Museum, the Hagia Irene, the Hagia Sophia, the Hippodrome, the Mosaic Museum, the Church of St. Sergius and Bacchus, the Basilica Sistan, and so on, all in the same area. And to the west of these are the Spice Bazaar and the Grand Bazaar. And so in this entire section of the city, um, in between the sites are just an endless parade of restaurants, shops, and hotels. And I really mean endless. I walked past about 300 shops one day on my way from my hotel to one of the sites. Um, So it's very visitor-friendly. There are dozens of shops selling shoes, clothes, handbags, 
and you can see that the area is designed for a constant influx of tourists and with the exchange rate being very favorable there are good deals to be had uh, trams and buses link everywhere in the old town so it's easy to get around taxis are ubiquitous and cheap at the moment and we only had one driver uh, attempt to rip us off basically it charges four times the amount that we owed during our stay everyone else was very nice uh, the most surprising interactions I had uh, were when I visited mosques. And this is a reflection of my ignorance as much as a, a positive comment about Istanbul. But it is positive. I've never been to a mosque before. And though I have Muslim friends in London, I've never asked them what the experience is like. I assumed that the atmosphere would be a serious one and that our group, uh, when we visited, um, which was mainly Westerners and a mix of genders, uh, and of course asking to film and photograph, would receive a cautious welcome. But the opposite turned out to be true. Um, the first one we visited was the Bodrum Mosque, the former Mireleon church built by Romanos Lekapinos. Our tour guide said that the imam would meet us and show us around, and I awaited a formal greeting, but instead he appeared in casual clothes and a baseball cap and was very friendly, and we filmed and we took photos, and he got out a folder full of pictures showing the restoration of the building over the past century. He asked us to sign his guest book, and we sat on the floor and chatted. And the floor of a mosque is, of course, covered with a carpet, and so by removing your shoes and sitting down on the floor, it's it, it's a completely different atmosphere. It felt very friendly, very casual. A few days later, we found the same thing when we visited the Zarek Mosque, the former church of the Pantocrata Monastery. Here we asked if we could pull up the carpet to see the Byzantine floor underneath. And I was sure this would draw attention from the regular worshippers, and it did, but entirely friendly and happy. People came up one after another to ask, what is that? What's under the carpet? And they seemed interested to see it. Um, and after that, I was given permission to go up into the, the mimbar, or the minbar, um, the pulpit where the imam delivers sermons. And these are usually closed off by a door. So I was surprised to be allowed to go up and look inside and discover that there are Byzantine inscriptions inside the top of it. Um, they still survive from when the building was converted and decorations from the church were incorporated into the new layout of the mosque. And as I did this, there were children running about, racing and fighting and rolling around on the carpet, um, and also those who'd come in to pray who were left alone and given um, some space. So I found it a very charming combination of piety and informality. Um, uh, and uh, one of the other uh, former churches, now a mosque we visited, the imam gave us information sheets in English giving the history of the building, along with some information about Islam. And I think these former church mosques are not in the Lonely Planet Guide to Istanbul, for example, and the impression I got was that the imams were pleased to have visitors um, at an appropriate time of day, and, you know, with the right tour guide... I think it's a fantastic way to experience a piece of Byzantium. And it's very clear that had they not been converted for Islamic use, these buildings would have been knocked down or remolded in a way that would have removed any original features. So that was a huge plus of the trip. Uh, my girlfriend was on the trip to do a lot of the 
DSLR photography, and uh, she was particularly pleased with um, these visits. She was uh, forced to adapt more than I was, uh, you know, wearing full-length clothing and covering her head with a scarf. Um, and so she was, you know, very pleased to be greeted warmly by the imams, and shaking hands and not excluded from anything in our visits. And in general, her experience was very positive. Um, you know, on the occasions we were apart, men did occasionally approach her in a way that made her uncomfortable, but nothing unfamiliar from living in big European cities. I would love to talk more about all the wonderful things I saw and that I hope you can see one day, but I'll save that for when a tour announcement comes, and don't worry, I'll keep you fully updated. Before I left, though, several Kickstarter backers asked me related questions about the population of Istanbul and their knowledge of the past. Again, I can only offer a limited perspective, but I'm happy to share what I experienced. Let's begin with a voice message from fellow podcaster Cam Yerti. Hello, my name is Cam Yerti, and I'm the host of a Georgia History podcast, a podcast covering the history of the U.S. state of Georgia. Currently, I'm working through the colonial history of Georgia with an upcoming episode about the Oglethorpe Plan for the city of Savannah. The story of Georgia is a unique one in the American experience, and a Georgia history podcast has got it all, from the founding in 1733, to wars in 1776, 1812, and 1861, to the civil rights efforts of the 1960s. We even produced a president in 1976. If this sounds like a story you would be interested in hearing, the podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever great podcasts are distributed. You can also check out the website at www.georgiahistorypodcast.org. As for Byzantium, I had the great fortune to visit Constantinople, or Istanbul, in 2012 for a city planning project while in graduate school. In addition to the grand history that the city boasts, the observation that struck me the most was the sheer amounts of ethnic diversity that can be found on every street within the city. As part of my listener rewards, I've asked Robin to expand upon his observations from the city to give us insight into the people of Istanbul today. Were there any observable linkages to the citizens of Constantinople? And how do the current residents feel about their inherited history? I'm so grateful that Robin has allowed me and all of the listeners to be a part of the podcast and his trip to Istanbul in particular. If anyone out there is itching to visit, I highly recommend doing so. Now, back to Robin. Thank you so much, Cam, and do check out the Georgia History Podcast. In addition to Cam's question about diversity, listener RB asked whether the history of Byzantium influences the culture and activities of the people of Istanbul today. And listener SR asked about the perception of Byzantium today, compared to, say, the Ottoman period or before. It's worth saying at the start that Istanbul is an absolutely massive city. Beyond the old town that we know so well, uh, suburbs push out beyond the walls to the west, north of the Golden Horn, and across the Bosphorus in Asia for miles and miles to the east. The city has expanded rapidly from a population of around 8 million in the late 90s to nearly 15 million today. So on my trip, I barely scratched the surface of the modern city. 
um, I was in exclusively touristy areas for 99% of the trip. Um, so there's little I can tell you about the sprawling suburbs and the business districts that are the daily life of the vast majority of people. However, anecdotally, the city does indeed seem to be a multicultural centre, attracting people from all over neighbouring countries and regions, as well as those from further away. Naturally, in university or business circles, there are likely to be more Westerners. On the ground in the tourist areas, things did not feel as diverse as, say, London. But that is only a skin-deep analysis. I saw many, many people from a Mediterranean background, but the likelihood is that they were not all Turkish. Uh, We chatted with one shopkeeper who was Armenian. Um, There are, of course, many different ethnic groups living in the city, but it's difficult to be precise, um, as I understand that Turkish census figures do not include uh, ethnicity. Um, What you hear is that most of the recognizable descendants of Byzantine times are dwindling. There is still a sizable Armenian population, but the descendants of Latin Christians, various Jewish groups, and Greeks are disappearing. The number I heard most often was that there are only 3,000 Greek residents still in Istanbul. This isn't the time to talk about the disastrous relations between Greeks and Turks during the 20th century, but if you want to know more, it's not hard to find. As you might imagine then, Byzantine history in Istanbul doesn't feel like the history of any local people. It seemed to me that for many Turkish people... The landmarks and ruins of Byzantium are seen in a similar category to the remnants from ancient Anatolian societies, you know, the Hittites, the Lycians, the Lydians, and so on. I asked all the tour guides I met about this, and they all confirmed that Byzantium would not be a part of your secondary education, um, except as you know, in passing and as, bar- as part of a, a basic history syllabus, but you wouldn't go into the details of who the Byzantines were. In order to be a tour guide, you have to get a degree. And each guide was of the opinion, um, having studied, that those without that level of education would have limited knowledge and understanding of what Byzantium was. Um, Now, that's a a generalization, but they all said it. Um, I imagine those working in the tourist areas, you know, at a, a neighboring restaurant or whatever, would know you know, which was a church and and what was a cistern and so on. But, you know, in light of our recent episodes about the wonky knowledge of the locals in Constantinople itself, it would be harsh to expect any more from the modern residents. And I don't think any of this is is very unusual. I don't think knowledge of Britain pre-1453 would be very high amongst non-history lovers. However, from what I was told, this problem may be more acute in Turkey. Ignorance of Byzantium is sort of understandable, as for many it's not considered to be a part of Turkish history. But there also seems to be a divide between the modern history of the Turkish Republic and the Ottoman past. Again, we don't have the time to go into the changes brought about by the Turkish Revolution. But to give you one example, when you visit Turkey, it's quite easy to get around. 
in terms of the names of stations or places, because Turkish is written using the Latin alphabet. And this was not the case before the revolution. It was a state-directed change. The result is that Ottoman writing is incomprehensible to most modern Turkish people. A disconnect like that would have a major impact on your relationship with the past. Imagine if we couldn't read Shakespeare except through modern translations. Again, this is anecdotal. I imagine there's far more complexity to the situation than I can really relate. But on a superficial level, it means that Byzantium is buried even further under layers of obscurity. Clearly, Uh, The Byzantines had a a huge impact on the Ottomans, the most obvious example being the design of the imperial mosques which dot the many hills of the city, and all are imitations of the Hagia Sophia. Um, But that may not be well understood by many of the current citizens. Anecdotally, I, I did hear about continuing tensions between Greeks and Turks, both from online abuse of some of the guides and in-person disrespect from both sides, from from Turks visiting Byzantine sites and from Greeks or others visiting Turkey. Uh, Byzantium and its remains are often used as a stick with which to metaphorically beat your opponents. Again, it's a long and complex history. My experience was that most of what I came to see was being well looked after and in many cases preserved in clever and careful ways that I hadn't expected to see. Finally, uh, one of the scholars I read claimed that the stray cats and dogs of the city are the only true Byzantine descendants left. Um, These animals are everywhere and will come to beg for food from you, Uh, but I've no idea if these lines of animals uh, could actually be traced back that far. Perhaps the birds could be. And as you'll see when I produce the videos, they continue to use Roman monuments as their refuge from humans, as they've always done. I hope this episode gives you a little glimpse of my visit and perhaps some encouragement to uh, visit yourself one day. I will, of course, be opening the door far wider when I come to produce the videos. But for now, I need to get the regular episodes of the podcast back on track. And uh, I need to get my voice fully back, as it w- I, uh, I've only just recovered it. I would have produced the episode sooner, but I seem to uh, blow it out uh, screaming for England uh, in the World Cup uh, this week. So, thank you again for sending me to the city. I am back. Regular episodes of the podcast will be back on track soon, alongside more backer rewards. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.